This is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, hired football on the Sports Objective. Welcome in to the Sports Objective. As always, a very special night when we have this guest. You know, Bubba, hey, we're two, I was going to say two weeks, uh, two months away from week zero. I wish it were two weeks. Bubba, really excited to have uh, one of the best football analysts that money can buy. That's why he's on ESPN. Uh, glad to have him back, right? Always glad to talk college football uh, with Rini and Golia. Uh, obviously, uh, Rini is going to be. Well, not obviously, but um, you know, Rini's going to be heading out on a European vacation here in the next week or so. So had had to catch him before his vacation, but looking forward to talking some football. Rini, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And of course, you get me early, right? So I'm scrambling for prep work, like everybody else. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for the season. I mean, to me, and I know you guys agree, college football is the best. There's nothing better. And uh, man, that anticipation to get to week zero. Um, and it's, it's strong this year, so I can't wait. Well, you know, Rennie, uh, one of the things is with our college baseball program being so great, uh, you know, we go into June and now, but once college baseball is over, I'm ready for college football. Now the coaches will tell you they're never ready, no matter how many weeks of preparation they have. But those of us that love East Carolina football, college football, pro football, high school football, my son plays <laughs> Pop Warner football. Whatever the case may be, I, I love the sport. Yeah, I mean, to me, and I've, I think I've said it on your show before, the, there's no other team sport like football. I mean, you, you depend on so many factors and so many teammates. And, and, and to me, the reason I love football so much is it's kind of, you know, made me the person I am today. Uh, it's that sport at a young age, it teaches you life lessons when you don't even realize you're learning them. You know, when you get to 30, 40, 50, like me, you look back and you can always reflect on something in your football career that kind of taught you something that you're going through in life. So, yeah, to me, it's the best sport, no doubt. No question about it. And Bubba, one of the things I want to talk to Rennie about, and you are, you follow it more than I do, Bubba, but I know with our uh, one of our listeners and viewers, Brandon, talks about uh, Mike Houston is killing it, like, like Brandon said, on the recruiting trail. Uh, I think we had like nine commits, like you said, we thought it would be 10 and maybe there will be. But one of the great things, uh, guys, is the fact that we talked to, uh, by the way, if you didn't hear the interview live, our good friend Blake Carroll, the defensive coordinator. But I mentioned yesterday, Rennie, with uh, with our defensive coordinator, that they're getting guys now in the 252 in the local area. And we couldn't, when we started having you on the show, we could when you first were coming on, we couldn't blame kids for going to another college when our program was like pretty much dead last in an FBS. And now we have where things are respectable. And I think we're going to get to where our championship level in the next year or two. I really do with a new American, but uh, just wanted to mention that to you, the two, five, two, when you see a lot of commitments that we had over the weekend, uh, you were one of the people I thought about. You believed in Mike Houston way back in 2019. 
Well, there's no doubt about it. And we've talked about it on this show too. And I don't, I just don't say it uh, when I come on the show. I love coming to Greenville. I I love the atmosphere, great stadium, great facilities, great college atmosphere. The only thing they were lacking, right. was winning. Right. And we talked, you just talked about it winning and, and, you know, and I've known Mike Houston for a lot of years back in his JMU days. And I, I really believe in him and the process and the culture, you know, you hear the culture word, but you guys know what that means and, and the culture that he brought. And I just knew, give him a few years um, and, and the program's in a great position. And like you just said, being able to, you know, I'm an old school person when it comes to recruiting and it's kind of hard to be old school recruiting in the world we live in now. It's, it's near impossible, but that old school mentality is you kind of try to put a fence around your area, right? And if there's someone good in your area, you take pride in keeping them home not losing them to other schools. And to your point, Dave, they're doing that now. And really it's because they're, they're winning, right? You win a bowl game. Uh, and again, the facilities were there. You just needed to win. And uh, Mike Houston has them going on the right track. No doubt about it. Yeah. The program is really, you know, like Dave said, uh, through recruiting developed a tremendous amount of depth. And this year, I think we're not only going to be deeper we're going to be, be faster and uh, possess more length on the, the defensive side. Um, a lot of the concern, and maybe not even so much concern, but just, just question marks um, surround the offense. You lose a veteran like Holt Naylor's, a guy who had started four and a half years at quarterback, the explosiveness of a Keaton Mitchell, even though the running back room is in great shape, and then uh, two 1,000-yard receivers. So uh, you definitely have a lot of talent on the offensive side, but it's just largely unproven. Yeah, and, and that's why we love this game, right? Because it's 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 time for guys to step up, right? And it, they get their chance. And this is, you know, in the quarterback position, if, you know, Mason Garcia wins it, if Alex Flynn wins the job, you know, that's what camp's for. Uh, we'll find out. But, but really in every position. The quarterback position is going to be highlighted, and rightfully so. Uh, when you have someone like Holton Ehlers there, as long as he was and the experience that he brought – you can, as a fan, uh, you can kind of take that for granted, right? Um, it's not as easy as people think, um, but hopefully the quarterback position, uh, you know, and, and Mason's been there watching, so he has that part of it. So now it's his chance to step up. But to your point, Bubba, a lot of other positions as well. And the thing that I'm super excited about this year is it's a new look conference. I mean, the American is going to be a new look conference, some great additions, um, so I'm excited, and I think like if you're an ECU fan, and even the program itself, Mike Houston, a lot of unknowns this year, right? You're going to be traveling to some new cities, some new stadiums, playing some new teams that you never played before. You really, a lot of these teams you didn't even have common opponents with, so you haven't really watched film uh, in the past. So it's going to be fascinating this year. Mike Oresco was on Sirius XM today. Uh, he's, he's a, and listen, I'm partial. I'm friends with him. I think He's a great guy, um, but he gives a great interview. He's one of the best commissioners in the country. He doesn't hold back. He, he, he knows what's going on out there, and I thought it was a great interview. And so, yeah, I'm excited for the American this year. As you take a look at this league, um, there are seven of the 14 teams that have new head coaches. You know, At Florida Atlantic, you have – yeah, Tom Herman, UAB, of course, Trent Dilfer. And we'll talk a little more about Trent Dilfer, some comments he made recently on. Yeah, yeah I wanted to talk about that. You read off radio that. there in Birmingham, uh, Biff Pogey at Charlotte, uh, Eric Morris at um, North Texas, 
And then, obviously, um, South Florida, Tulsa, and Navy have first-year head coaches or new new head coaches to them as well. Yeah, and so you're going to see a lot of new-look programs, right, because you don't really know what you're going to get out of them, even if you went back to, to watch a lot of those ones in Conference USA last year with so many new coaches. So I'm excited. But, of course, Tom Herman – was in the conference, obviously left, took Texas. He's back in the American. He understands this conference well, although it's a new look conference for him as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting this year uh, with everything. And, and, of course, you talk about Navy, um, new head coach, but but, but they're going to run a variation of the option. They're not going to get too far away from it. Um, so a lot of those new teams coming in the league are going to have to deal with that. And so uh, – it should be a fun year in the American this year. But, you know, to me, UTSA is the one you got to watch out for. That was a team that I had the opportunity to call a few of their games the last couple of years um, in non-conference games because the only time really a Conference USA team was really uh, – what was on ESPN is when they were a visiting team. So I got to see them a couple times, and they bring their quarterback – back frank harris and talk about recruiting your area they really take pride jeff trailer takes pride in recruiting that san antonio area and does a really nice job and they're really the only the only team in town really in the area and they're doing a nice job and i think that's the one program i think that can step in right away and compete with the american schools that have been in the conference that are that are kind of you know established so i would watch out for utsa and here's the other thing, too, guys. Um, America's going to find out about UTSA. Again, they really weren't on national TV a lot. You had to kind of search for them in different areas. You're going to see them every week, week in and week out on ESPN. There's no doubt about it. And if they can win like they've been, uh, they're going to they're gonna, you know, show a lot of people nationally who they are. No doubt. I was going to ask you, Rennie, uh, getting back to um, Navy real quick. Yeah. One- questions I have being a football guy that you are uh, what disadvantages now there's two things that come to mind for Navy is they can't offer uh, NIL my understanding and also yeah. uh, the rule change of the cut blocks I haven't asked anybody uh, an analyst you're the first one so I'll make you the guinea pig how much is that going to hurt Navy do you think this year well you know and remember the cut blocks they did it last year and I think it hurt them last year because I think when the NCAA puts in new rules they really enforce them, right? They're really looking for them. So I think that kind of hurt them last year. Again, uh, as long as they're, as long as everything is is legal, I know they took away some things from them, but you're going to have to adjust, right? You're just going to have to adjust. And I think they'll they'll do a good job at it. It's, it's, they're obviously very smart kids in the program. You mentioned the NIL uh, disadvantage for them, really, and the transfer portal's a disadvantage for them too, Dave. Don't remember, you don't forget, you you can't, you're not transferring in the Navy. Okay, that, it's a process to go to any of the academies. So you can't just say, oh, I'm going to leave Alabama and go to Navy. It just doesn't work like that. Um, so they don't get the transfer players in, you know what I mean? But players can transfer out. So they, they get kind of screwed the one way, and they can't take advantage of the portal the other way. So it's the system's kind of a, against them in that regards. But uh, I think they'll be okay. I think Brian Newmary, a, a good defensive coach, if you remember, he was at Kennesaw. I think it's just Kennesaw now. I think they dropped the Kennesaw State. It's so hard to keep track these days. But he was at Kennesaw before he went to Navy, okay? Right. They ran a triple option version, a little more of the athletic kind of coastal Carolina sprint option type. 
I would imagine he's going to try to go to that type uh, of option. I think they're still going to stay option. I talked to some people. Um, but again, that, you know, that, that offense is predicated on your quarterback play, but, but they're a program. I think that we've seen it through the years, even with Kenny Amatololo that, you know, they've had really good years and then they would fall off and then they would come back and they just kind of cycle in and out. And so they're one of those programs that are just always dangerous. And don't forget last year, you know, UCF was in position to win the American towards the end and maybe knock them off at UCF, you know, and that's for all intents and purposes. That was a, I mean, Mike Oresco hates this, but I'll say anyway, that was a power five program. You know, the way I looked at it, UCF, Houston, uh, and Cincinnati, at the end of the year, you're, you're a power five program. You're, you're making the move. You're going to the big 12, your rosters, you know, kids knew you were going. So your rosters were built that way and maybe went in there and beat them. So. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, it, Brian Newberry had a conversation with him within the last couple of weeks, and he was talking about that move of bringing in Grant Chestnut, um, who he had had that relationship with from his days at Kennesaw, and um, you know what what their plans are uh, with that midshipman offense. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see, but I would be shocked if they don't run some variation of option. And again, and Dave touched on it, and a lot of people. You know, maybe if you're kind of, you know, new to football or you just really don't know the, you know, behind the scenes, uh, the reason the academy's cut block the way they do is because they're just smaller, right? They're smaller offensive linemen because their size restrictions to get into those academies. Yeah, they grow and they get bigger. And yeah, their offensive linemen are 260, 250, sometimes 270. But, you know, you're taking on 300-pound defensive linemen. It's just a different world. So you're, you're going to cut block, and that's what they do. And they do, they do a great job at it, by the way, because they're, they're taught really well. So, And the support the UTSA program has, you, you mentioned how they're, they're prepared to be a contender probably right, right from the jump in the American. Um, they have a legit you know, thirty-five to 40,000, a good atmosphere there in the Alamo Dome. And I know you were talking about them stepping up from an NIL standpoint and um, putting a package together for the talented Frank Harris that accounted for nearly 4,700 yards and 40-plus touchdowns a season ago. Uh, they, I know they did lose a receiver or uh, so in the, in the portal, but um, yeah, who doesn't in this, in this day and age? <laughs> and, uh, and with those other programs coming in, I really like the hire of Tom Herman down at FAU. I, you know, Texas is going to do what Texas is going to do. But uh, he had the success that he had at Houston. The year he got fired at Texas, they went seven and three. And I think all three of those losses, uh, they lost in Oklahoma, they lost to Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry uh, in overtime. And then those other two losses were maybe by a touchdown or at least 10 points or less. I mean, he didn't. And that's the funny thing with the coaching carousel. These guys don't forget how to coach. They just don't become bad coaches, right? These programs in, in, in Texas is one of them. It, it's so big, right? It, it's such a monster. There's so much going on that when these guys take these jobs, it's like the coaching aspect of it, which is really what they want to do, kind of gets pushed away because there's so much other stuff. I mean, you're, you're the CEO of a major entity, okay, in a, in a place like Houston – or excuse me, a place like Texas, it, it's just hard for a lot of these coaches. That's why I think 
they come back. He comes back. He's at an FAU. He's in Boca Raton. Nice stadium, good facilities, kind of under the radar, good recruiting area. Um, he's going to get that program. He's going to get that program clicking. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Lane Kiffin had him going, right, before he jumped ship to Ole Miss. So I think that's a great landing spot for Tom Herman. Um, I think he's going to do well there. I think that's a great addition, uh, you know, to the conference. Yes, yes, you lose UCF, who did great things for the conference. Uh, they're on uh, to the Big 12. But, you know, I think it was important for the conference to replace them with another Florida school. Um, so now you get them and, and you bring in South Florida, right? Because they're down there, like I said, in Boca. And so I, it's a great addition. Great coach. I think he's going to do, do a good job there. So I'm excited to see what they can do in the first year in the conference as well. No doubt. And I know Bubba was bringing up about Trent Dilfer. I, you know, that yeah. was the that was the hire that a lot of people had, you know, like head scratching. You know, really, does he have experience? But I'll tell you one thing. Um, Bubba and I have talked off air, I know, and maybe Kyle. But the fact is, who, what coaches does he have surrounding him? And you were just talking about the CEO and the fact that he uh, he went on there and called out coaches for stealing, trying to steal his players. And I really... I know that the guys here that we were talking about that, that we really like that. And um, the fact that it shows not only a lot of guts, but the fact that we know it's going on um, in the professional ranks that we call tampering. Um, I don't know if you can call it that at college level, but uh, there's got to be something for, there's got to be something that we can do about that. That's a rule that I would like to see really enforced because I know it's like the, we talked about this several times that now with the NIL, the transfer portal is such a, a wild, wild west time of era of college football, college sports. But that's one thing that really bothers me is that you got these people that while you're coaching a team, a lot of college coaches are talking about it. Now I've got to recruit not only the high school kids, but the people potentially in the transfer portal, but also my own kids in my own locker room. I have to keep recruiting them. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I applaud Trent for what he did. And really, he, he he did that so his players understand who he is and that, you know, the love he has for them and that he has their backs. With that said, uh, it still doesn't matter. He can call anybody out by name. It just it doesn't matter because, uh, as you talked about, there's no guardrails. There's nothing in place. It's happening like crazy. Um and so it's not going to stop. I mean, he can he can say that on every show till he's blue in the face. I mean, they're still going to go behind the scenes and get to a player's parent, uncle, whatever. And, and you know, so it's not going to stop until there's a mechanism put in place, Dave, to your point. Um, when that happens, I don't know. Um, but there's a lot going on. But I still applaud him for, for sticking up for his program. Um, I will say this about Trent Dilford. So I, I did his – he was at Lipscomb Academy, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, for three, three or four seasons. Did really well there, won state championships. Um, I had his first game of the season last year because we, ESPN, will do the high school kickoff classic. And so a week zero, uh, I normally do a high school game, and it was uh, Lipscomb Academy versus Thompson High, which was, you know, I, I think they were top three in Alabama in the state. This year, they're preseason ranked number one. I mean, Thompson was uh, favored probably by, by 21 in that game. And so, you know, I'm talking to Trent leading up to it. He said all the right things. He said all the right things. And guess what? His team went in there. And it was it's, it, it's hardcore Alabama high school football. Week zero, probably 10,000 at this stadium. And his Lipscomb Academy team went in there and won. 
So he, he knows how to coach. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's been around great players. To your point, surrounded him, surrounds himself with, with good coaches. And so they got great facilities there as well, UAB. They, you know, and it, it's crazy thinking where that program was. They dropped the program and then now they're back into it full force. And they're another great addition to the American. So, I, I, but Trent Dilford, I'll, I'll be fascinating to see how he does his first year. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Rennie, uh, it's Kyle joining the show late uh, as, as uh, you guys are talking about UAB football and uh, Trent Delford there in his first year. They had the interim head coach last year, Bill Clark. You know, I'm curious. Bill Clark steps away because of back issues, not because of any kind of terminal illness. Um, you you, you got to figure he's going to be back in coaching before too long. And if I remember correctly, I believe his pedigree didn't he, Bobby? You may know this if if, if Randy doesn't. Um, wasn't he the head coach of Jacksonville State when they played for the national championship? Yeah, he he had a background there at Jacksonville State, and uh, and yeah, Bill Clark. What a what a tremendous job he did, and you really have to admire him sticking with that program yeah. when they shut the program down and then started it back up, and they were better than ever when they brought it back. Yeah, he, ball. Go ahead, go ahead. Rick. No, I was gonna say. I mean. For all intents and purposes, he saved that program, right? He stayed there. The players believed in him. And to your point, Kyle, uh, when he's healthy and he's ready and willing to get back into coaching, there's going to be a spot for him somewhere. If not a high-level coordinator, there'll, there'll be a head job opening up somewhere that uh, I'm sure he could take over. There's no doubt. I, I, I got a, I got a, I got a sneaky feeling whenever Rich Rod decides he's going to retire, uh, Bill Clark's going to be, be returning on the sidelines of Jacksonville State. I mean, that's a good possibility. And a lot of these guys like to go back to these programs, especially now that these programs are elevated, yep. going on to the FBS, like my alma mater, UMass, Donnie Brown, the head coach there now, coached there in the early 2000s, uh, brought him to a national championship, didn't win, and then obviously went on to have a great career as a high-level coordinator, defense coordinator at Michigan and uh, Arizona, and now came back, actually took a pay cut. Uh, to become the head coach at the University of Massachusetts from what he could have made as a high-level coordinator um, just so he could be a head coach again and, and try to right the ship at that program. So, yeah, yeah, but to your point, Bill Clark, I think, yeah, that would be a, a, a great uh, great spot for him. Randy, what do you think? Um, thinking of UMass, uh, week zero, New Mexico State, national exposure, uh, primetime ESPN game, going to be the one of only, I think, two games on at that time, one on CBS Sports Network also. Yeah. So uh, do, you, do you think that kind of exposure – do you really think it does – does that do something for UMass? I mean, I, or, or is it overrated? You know, does that kind of exposure help? I guess if they – if they, yeah, I hate to say it, pull off an upset against New Mexico State, I guess it helps. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Kyle, you got to win. Or, yeah. you know, you play one of these epic games. And I, listen, I don't believe in – and you know, I think you have to win, right? I, I, I just do, especially when your program is is floundering. Um, but they're gonna, but but UMass is on ESPN two weeks in a row, so week zero, like you said, and not and not against a lot of other games against New Mexico State, and then uh, week two, uh, so they're in their second game. Uh, they play at Auburn, and that's also an ESPN game. So two weeks in a row on on big ESPN. So. You know, it brings recognition to the program, and you guys know this just from ECU, just in a standpoint of, you know, the non-football people that, that hate football and hate sports and they want their schools to be all about academics. They get mad, but they don't understand what kind of publicity it brings the program when your sports team 
in particular football play on national TV. You can't buy that kind of advertisement. It costs so much money. So, um, but, but to your point, I think you got to win that game. And so it's kind of funny. So I did, uh, I did New Mexico state's bowl game last year where they won. They hadn't won a bowl game in a long time. They beat Bowling green uh, in, in Detroit. I did that game the day after Christmas. Um, And so watching them celebrate and watching that fan base, I kept thinking about UMass, thinking, okay, this is kind of the same kind of road, right? Um, So that's going to be a fascinating game. And listen, I don't want to call it a must-win week zero, um, but they got to win the game, right? You got to go on the road national TV and win the game. And and we were talking – I was talking with Bubba before we started uh, the podcast. Um, He's – listen – the transfer portal has changed the landscape for everybody, okay? For good and bad, right? Because you bring in a bunch of players, yeah. you really don't know what you're going to get, right? Hey, they could be good. They, they, you know, who knows? He's got like 12 or 13, 14 guys that, that played at the uh, Power 5 level. So, you know, you step in in a, uh, a school like UMass who's been floundering and you got some games where, you know, are winnable, you got to go out and win those games. So it's going to be fascinating. I, I do. Uh, I made my little prediction. I think when we get to November, they will, uh, they'll be fighting to get to bowl eligibility. I really think they will wow. this year. I do. So, you know, we'll see. Um, but it's time to time for them to really uh, to get going. So we'll, we'll see. Not to get on too much of a tangent here, but uh, you know, since you brought up, uh, I guess game two, traveling down to the plains against Auburn. You don't think Hugh Freeze honeymoon would be over pretty quickly if the minute <laughs> in, roll, roll, roll in there and e- even play the Tigers close. Well, see, and that's the thing. Like, if you're a UMass, uh, you want Auburn in a game one, especially after you've already played a game, right? Because yeah. what do they always say, guys? Most of the biggest improvement you're going to make is from game one to game two, right? cleaning up your mistakes. So if you're ever going to knock a team off or at least play well against them enough to like scare the bejesus out of them, um, it would be a, a them in game one and, and UMass in game two. And then I've said this before as well. UMass needs that marquee win, knocking off a big program. Like we saw Troy do it at LSU a few years. Like there's nothing more demoralizing when you're making $2 million to go play a team and then you beat that team, right? I mean, that is like, the worst thing for a program. And again, we've seen it. Troy's beat LSU and there's, there's a ton of instances out there where it's happened. So UMass hasn't been able to do that yet. Uh, who knows? Maybe this will be the year. And they, they go to Penn state as well. So uh, they got a couple tough non-conference games. What about the pirates with the pirates going to Michigan? Oh God. Well, I mean, I'm sure the pirates aren't making the same money that, that UMass is making. I'm probably certain of it. Um, but listen, they're, they're, listen, Michigan is not going to take the Pirates lightly. Um, this isn't, you know, it's a, a little different than, than UMass going to Auburn. Um, that's a tough place to go. That's one of the first, uh, I broadcast a game from there before radio. Uh, it's, it's one of the just great venues in all of sports, not just college football. So if you're an ECU fan, uh, hopefully that's a bucket list thing for you and, and people can get up there to Ann Arbor and go watch that game because it's an incredible stadium with a lot of history. And uh, you never know. Maybe the Pirates will uh, will pull it out. Yeah, if it was last year's team, I'd, I'd be uh, I'd be wanting to go. But uh, too many unknowns. Number two team in the nation, thirty eight point underdogs. Honestly, if we go up there and lose by twenty one, I'll be like, 
we may go 11 and one. <laughs> very, very optimistic, Kyle. That's good. <laughs> uh, within the new look American, probably the most intriguing or, or certainly one of the most intriguing hires of the all season they had kind of the coastal Carolina, Joe Mowgli, a feel from several years ago, um, Charlotte bringing in Biff Pochi from Michigan. Yeah. And I don't, I, I actually don't know much about coach, Coach Poggi, I'll do my research. I should be working. He doesn't like sleeves or any. Well, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen the look. You know, he's got that. Listen, he's got that offensive lineman type of look and mentality. So uh, that part, I think, is great. Um, you know, he looks like an old school type of guy. So I'll do my research, hopefully get to meet him. The great thing with the American Athletic Conference Media Days this year, July 24th and 25th, it's all in person. Uh, it's going to be in Austin, Texas, and it's kind of a two-pronged. Uh, it's the 10th year, so 10th anniversary of the American, and you're celebrating bringing in six new schools. So should be a really good couple days there in Austin, and I love having everyone in person. No more Zoom, can actually shake hands, talk to the coaches, get to know them a little better. And I, so it's a perfect year, especially with so many new coaches coming into the conference. Yeah, I don't know if celebrating is the right word or anything. <laughs> Listen, I, listen I, I, you know, I, 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 be on the lookout with, with, with all those teams down there in Texas. You're not going to get this joke. Maybe you will. Bubba and Dave will get it. Be on the lookout for Britton Banowski. Um, just, uh, he's going to pop up, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I didn't get it. But I, 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 Former commissioner of Congress USA. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right, yeah. Well, you know, I was telling these guys before you jumped on, Kyle, uh, uh, Mike Oresco, he did an interview on Sirius Satellite today. I thought it was, you know, to me, he's, he's one of the best interviews for, for conference commissioners. Um, and uh, so it's interesting. Listen, they, they did the best they could. And he actually mentioned uh, Judy McLeod, the now commissioner mm. of Conference USA, how, like, he's friends with her. And, you know, you kind of feel horrible, right, because you just went in and pillaged their conference. You know, you take six schools from the conference and it hurts, but that's just the reality of the world we live in. Yeah. I, I think the bigger, the bigger name is Randy. I don't mean to cut you no, off, but uh, I, I think just from an appearance standpoint, when you, when you lose six tools to the American, you, you, you just look at it and you say, well, it's dollars and cents. The TV deals worth 8 million per school versus what yours is worth. But then you lose three teams to the Sun Belt. That's, that's a bad look. Yeah, and, and, the, and the Sun Belt, listen, is on the rise. We know that. Oh, no I've doubt. Always, I'd rather be a, there, honestly. Correct. I've done a ton of Sun Belt games, and I think the Sun Belt and the American are right there. Um, I, I still think the American's got a little better TV deal with ESPN. Yep. Um, Financially, so, no doubt. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. I think, again, I, I don't know if you were on, Kyle. I think UTSA is the one to watch out for. I think they step right in and play good. And listen – and I think I might have brought this up on your show. And I, don't, I mean, Mike Oresco would never admit this in public. He's, he's been phenomenal um, with the three teams leaving. And it's been, you know, listen, as far as teams leaving a conference, it, I, I, it hasn't been more cordial than, than, these, than UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston leaving. I mean, yeah, they, they took them a little while to agree on the separation, on the settlement, uh, the buyout. But they got there. Um, it really wasn't uh, – there was – not really any animosity it was business people know and and uh you know so so they're gone but it'll be with utsa coming in will be interesting because i think they'll they'll step right in and and what i was going to say was i got off track was um if you're mike oresco and you're the american you lose those three schools that we just talked about to the big 12 
but a school that stayed back, Tulane, that had nowhere yeah. to go, ends up winning the conference and goes and wins uh, their their bowl game, right? Their their New Year's Six bowl game. So, I mean, really for the American, yeah, stinks you lose those three schools, but you bring back the school that won the championship last year, won a ma- major bowl game, and oh, by the way, they have their quarterback too, um, Michael Pratt coming back. So, uh, Willie Fritz, a pretty good coach there in Tulane, so... I think they're going to be pretty strong in conference as well. Yeah, I'm with you on UTSA. I predict them to be the new UCF, if you will, or Cincinnati. I think, uh, I think with with their with their media market, their fan support, um, their their recruiting area, uh, they the the city of San Antonio almost embraced them like an NFL expansion team, Um, and and now with more television exposure, I think it's only going to grow their brand. I think you, I think UTSA was a home run ad. Um, that, I had no problem with that one. There, there's no doubt about it. And, and we talked about it earlier. They're going to be on national TV now. Every You're going to see them on every week, right? Every week because of the ESPN contract, whether they're home or away, they're going to be on national TV every week. So uh, the national audience is going to find out who UTSA is. And I, and to your point, Kyle, Yes, they are like the only show in town in San Antonio as far as sports, you know, football. Um, and they're recruiting that area like crazy. Jeff Trailer's a good coach. And so they're going to step right in. And I know the other the other programs, um, you know, you can argue, you know, about those other programs. But I think at the end of the day, it's well over all our pay grades. I mean, as a conference, I think you're just, it's self-preservation, right? You're trying to bring in the best, that fits in many, you know, categories yeah. for you, and I, I really do think the American did the best they can. And now, but now you're kind of like, okay, all these conferences are like holding on for dear life because what the hell is going to happen next, right? I mean, what's the Big Twelve going to do? Yeah, the Pac-12 still doesn't have a TV deal. I mean, it is it's nuts what's going on I, there. So, I think media market just gets so overplayed, and uh, that was kind of my. You know, when you, when you when you look at you want to bring in another school from North Carolina, why in the world wouldn't you add Appalachian State? I mean, what, why would you add Charlotte? I understand how big of a city Charlotte is and potential, but potential is a dangerous word. And uh, you know, it. it I, I can tell you, and our our athletic director John Gilbert has tried to spin it to Pirate fans about how having Charlotte the same. Look, you look, you're not going to sell Pirate fans on having a rivalry with Charlotte. It's not going to happen because if they beat us, all we're going to do is get pissed off and want to fire the coach. And uh, and, and, and if we beat them, we're just going to say, well, yeah, well, we're supposed to. So, you know. It, and right now, I'm really I'm really not saying this to be funny. I, I'm, I say this in all seriousness. There are more App State fans in Charlotte than there yes. are Charlotte fans. Yes, there are. Exactly. There's more App State alums in Charlotte than there There's are Charlotte East Carolina alums. fans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody cares about Charlotte football. I mean, nobody. I can tell you this, as far as the market uh, standpoint, uh, the announcers like it because it's easy to fly in and out of. Yeah. <laughs> the American, uh, I, and I, it's, I'm not even joking when I say this, the American right. top to bottom. Randy, would you rather go to Charlotte or Boone? Honestly, you've been to both. I'm I sure. have been to both. I love Boone. I don't know, exactly. Exactly. The, the atmosphere in Boone is electric. I've called many And it's beautiful. There. It's phenomenal. It is kind of, you know, you got to drive up the hill, but. You know, there's a when I, I fly into Charlotte and when I go to Boone, um, right before I and I don't know the names of the roads, but I know you just you go uphill about two hours. There's a Dunkin' there's a Dunkin' Donuts right at the bottom before you start to drive up, and I always get like you know an extra large Dunkin'. I enjoy, I enjoy that drive. Um, it's nice, 
much like the drive, you know, from Raleigh to Greenville. Um, but uh, yeah, I listen, I, I, I get it. And you guys know you're, you're in North Carolina. I mean, you, you see it. Um, it's, like the, it's like them schools that have to fly into Birmingham to go to, uh, to go to Auburn and Tuscaloosa. I mean, it seems to work for the SEC. Well, there's a lot, and you know the other airport is when you start traveling, you realize that this one airport is you go to for about four or five schools. Memphis is another one too. You fly yeah. to Memphis and you drive to all these SEC schools. So, but hey, listen, I, I I get what you're saying with Charlotte, and again, you guys know. Um, but for the most part, I think all the additions, you know, uh, fit a purpose for them. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out this year for sure. Reeny Johnny Robertson chimes in right here. Uh, saying that he feels that the Tulsa hire of Kevin Wilson, who obviously did some good things at Indiana before that, you know, that kind of bottomed out in its own way. But um, he said that he really respects him as an offensive mind and that he thinks that, um, you know, they, they return a decent amount offensively, he believes, and that, that they'll do well. Yeah, I, want to I disagree don't... with Johnny on that one. Go ahead, so... Ernie. Tulsa's one of those schools. It'll be interesting. Uh, we'll see what Kevin Wilson does. I, I called a few of his games when he was a head coach in Indiana. So I've, uh, I've talked to him in person. But, yeah, he is an offensive-minded guy. We'll see. You know, it's funny. So when that Tulsa job opened up and, uh, you know, we were talking about a bunch of first-year coaches. I'm going to give you a first-year coach right now, even though you didn't ask me, uh, in the Sun Belt. And Kyle talked about uh, the Sun Belt, um, who I would have bet – a year salary that Tulsa was going to hire him. It's DJ Kenny. He was a former Tulsa player. He was at a, yep. a, a incarnate word at the FCS phenomenal yep. job, a, a young superstar coach. Um, and I, I, you know, and, and it's nothing against Kevin Wilson. I think Tulsa dropped the ball, not bringing him in. Instead he goes to Texas state in the Sun Belt. Um, so that's, that's a name to watch in a, in a new hire there. I, I agree with you hundred percent on both points. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what, what Kevin does at, at Tulsa. Um, so uh, it, it's a pro. Listen, it's a program that we've seen. They've won. That you can win there. We've seen them win there. Um, but it's a it's tough to come in like that first year. But we'll see what he has surrounding him. And then, of course, transfer portal. I can't sit here and and, and tell you who's brought what in because it's an ever changing landscape. Um, you know, we talked about UTSA losing a receiver to they might've brought in three more in the portal. You just, it's so hard to keep track um, with these programs. So, uh, but it'll, yeah, but Tulsa's one, I, I'll obviously keep an eye on and I'm assuming I'll have a Tulsa game this year as well. Fun note about Kevin Wilson for some pirate fans may not know this. Uh, when we hired Ruffin McNeil, um, Kevin Wilson was uh, co-OC at Oklahoma at the time and tried to get the East Carolina head coaching job and interviewed with Terry Holland. And I don't know what happened to that interview. All I know is he went from our, it looked like it was going to be a done deal to, yeah, I, I heard that interview was a disaster. Um, so I, I, you know, coach Holland has passed away. So I, I unfortunately can't ask him about that. I'd love to, um, I had a good relationship with Terry Holland, but uh, I know his interview with Kevin Wilson. Also got to keep in mind, Kevin, Kevin Wilson's a Tar Heel. I might have something to do with it, um, but that interview did not go well. When yeah, you ne- you never know what happens when you think, you know, jobs are sealed up and then come out of the interview and go another direction. Yep. By the way, guys, uh, the Hall of Fame nominations are going on for ECU, and um, my vote is for Jeff Charles. There's people that voted for Terry Holland. I both it- need to go in, Dave. Both need to go in. 
and also I'm hearing Leonard Henry. So all three of those, I'm, I'm down with all three, but yeah. So there you go. I wanted to let you guys know that if you, it's on ecupirates.com. If you're like me and you love that kind of, you love hall of fames and especially those two men we mentioned with uh, yeah. Jeff Charles and uh, Terry Holland are automatics in my opinion. Well, Jeff Charles and Terry Holland both passing away this past year or this year. And um, they, you know, they should both be in East Carolina's Hall of Fame. Jeff Charles, long-time player, but played with the Pirates. And, um, you know, Terry Holland, everybody knows what he did at Virginia. But to me, Terry Holland, when he came into East Carolina, uh, our, our athletic department was in complete disarray. And what he did here with the hires he made, with the decisions he made, galvanizing the fan base is the thing. Terry, nobody knew how to treat people. And we're, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Terry Holland whether you were the janitor or you were the richest owner in the pirate club, he treated everybody with respect. He always had time to talk to you. Look, well before I was called from LaGrange on a podcast, I, you know, back when I was young in my twenties, I was nobody. And, and he would answer every email I sent him and I would eat and I would abuse that privilege. I'd email him constantly <laughs> and he'd answer every one of them. So yeah, Terry Holland needs to be in ECU's hall of fame. He should be in any college sports hall of fame. Terry Holland's yeah. the man. Hey, by the way, Rennie, uh, I had a question. I saw something today. It was a meme, and maybe I haven't had a chance to. I wanted to. I forgot to ask our guys off the air if it's any truth to it. Um, but uh, the ACC and Pac tw- uh, twelve merging. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. I, I didn't hear it, um, but I didn't even see the meme on it either. So, um, I, I mean, nothing. Nothing would ever surprise me uh, this day and age because you think things are rumors, and then they end up being true. Uh, Listen, I could see it. I could see if the Pac-12 loses, you know, they're losing UCLA and USC. Let's say they lose Washington and Oregon to the Big Ten, and then the four corner schools panic and go to the Big 12. Yeah. And you got basically four schools left there. And then at that point, you know, know, as, as the Big Ten expands west, then do they need to add more to the east? You know, there's UNC. You know, UVA, who knows? So if, if the ACC and Pac-12 lose a lot of schools, I can see where Stanford and Duke would like to be in the same league together. Yeah, there's a ton of possibilities out there, uh, you know. So we'll, we'll see. And, and who knows? There's been so many rumors and speculation what's going on with Colorado right now, right? I mean, they may be the first mm-hmm. domino to drop out of the Pac-12. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, first-year coaches, Deion Sanders, completely overhauled that roster. So that's going to be. What do you make of, of him basically kicking off so many players? So, you know, I did a Colorado game last year. Um, Isn't that bad? And it's a, it's a beautiful stadium. The, the, uh, the, the, the town is beautiful. It really is. If you've never been there, uh, Boulder's beautiful. Um, and it's a, it's a, it, when you say Colorado, you think football, right? I mean, it's just, it's I, been around. I, I think and, weed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe now, Kyle. Maybe now. But to my point, uh, they just—it wasn't a sold-out game, and just you know. And now you bring Dion in, and everything is a one eighty. And uh, what surprised me was there was three or four, more than three or four, but there was a handful of really good players on that team, really good, um, and they're gone now too. So I mean, he essentially turned that entire roster over. So it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, how they are uh, uh, this year. So, uh, yeah. got one of their receivers that is projected to be a starter for us. So, 
There you uh, go. So uh, yeah. I hope he, uh, thanks, Dion. Yeah, right. Thanks, Dion. So yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Um, but they got a buzz there. They're going to sell out that stadium. Uh, we'll see what what happens. But that's that's the wild, wild west of college football right now that we've talked about. It's just there's so much going on. I mean, you know, listen, we got we we're just talking about the TV contracts, right? Which let's not kill, kill ourselves. That's what's pulling people around reference this realignment and these, uh, in, in these conferences, you got NIL going on, you got transfer portal, which are really intertwined now. So it's just, it's nuts. It's nuts. What's going on. Hey, Renny, do you see a possibility of, this is one that uh, Kyle, I'm going to steal from you. Um, and that is uh, from a decade ago. Is there any possibility of the American and mountain West merging for a super conference? Boy, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you, can, you can never say never anymore, right? Because you just don't know. Because at the end of the day, every one of these conferences wants to stay relevant, right? And then when you take it a step further, every school wants to stay relevant. So that's why the schools, yeah, it, is there loyalty to conference? It only goes so far because at the end of the day, you have to take care of your program and your university, your institution. So that's why these schools are all jumping ship going to these other uh, places. Uh, so at the end of the day, if it's going to keep you afloat, you're, I don't think anything is off the table, Dave. I think all these schools and programs will talk. And we haven't even talked about, you know, the CFP going to 12 schools, which I think is yeah. a great thing. Yeah. We, we, you know, we talked about it on this show before. Uh, the fact that they, you know, Mike Oresco hates, and I give him credit, okay, Um he was never a fan of Power Five and Group of Five. That's it. They, those are kind of just made up names. They were exactly okay, that the media ran with. He's never said it. That's why he did the P six thing, kind of as a throwback in your face. Like, no, we're we're in there now. So now with the CFP with the twelve team playoff, that's gone now because it's the top six conference champions. So it doesn't matter. So hopefully the media will kind of stop using that moniker and you never know. Oh no, they, they, they will. And then now it'll be, and it, it, they'll use the basketball term mid major. Yeah. I hate that term. Well, but I mean, I, you really should be, if you're going to, if you're going to say it right now, I guess you would be power too. Right. Because if you want to just go by what the money is going to be yeah, with no the kidding. SEC and the, and the, and the big 10, I mean, everybody else is just, and, and, and that's a, Great point with um, with the ACC. I mean, the landscape changes so quick. I mean, the TV contract they signed and got sealed up into years ago looked great, right? Just a few years later, it's like they're going to get passed up, like doing oh. like doing laps at the Indy Five Hundred by the SEC and the Big Ten. So it's just, it's hard hard to compete. And then and, and so also with the ACC. So obviously, I'm here in Orlando. You're already hearing Florida State chirp, okay? And Florida State is, is that they're one of my picks. I think they're going to have a really good year. I think Jordan Travis, legit Heisman uh, candidate. I think he's got a really good chance of getting to New York. I, I'm a Mike Norvell fan. You guys know that, you know, from from his Memphis days. I think Florida State's going to be really good. They're already chirping because with UCF in the Big 12, in the Big 12's new TV contract, within a few years. UCF will actually be making more money than Florida State. Wow. And that's really hard for them to swallow, you know? And then you got, you know, your rival, Florida. We already just said yeah. what the what the SEC is going to make. So you're Florida State sitting there in Miami, for that matter, in the ACC thinking, man, 
what the heck's going on here? So it's just, it's, it's, it's a moving target every day. Um, and it's crazy, but you know what? It keeps us excited. It keeps us with stuff to talk about. Um, and so, yeah, who, where it goes, I don't know, but I, I can tell you this right now. It's not stopping anytime soon. And buddy, one, one thing I've talked about it is, is I mentioned hating the media market thing. It, the way things have been viewed up to this point is media market, the bigger media market, the potential side advertisement in the city of Charlotte, city of Birmingham, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's all about advertisement dollars. And then your old school Nielsen ratings, Birmingham's the biggest college football market in America. Uh, at some point, you know, traditional TV is going to go the way of the, the, the horse and buggy. And at that point, everything's going to be legitimate eyeballs you're getting from streaming. And that's when I think East Carolina, because we have a fan base. Fan base. If that, that all goes to fan base. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. So I, I think eventually, maybe this thing's going to swing in our favor. Um, I, I, I don't know how long it's going to take, but I see so many of our fans complain about streaming and having, you know, our game against Michigan is going to be on Peacock. I'm telling you, you're missing the forest for the trees because those are legitimate numbers counted. Eyeballs watching your game, not a silly ass yeah. Nielsen rating. It's going to, Kyle, it's going to stop when the cable companies can't charge people, right? Yep. A, a good sum of money to bundle in all the ESPNs and all the channels. And so ESPN is going to obviously, you know, all the networks will, cable networks will ride that wave until it stops. But also to your point, the other fascinating thing is, so I have an 18 and a 20 year old, right? They consume media different than we did. Right. They, yep. just, they don't even watch cable. So like, you know, my exactly. daughters are in college. It's like, we don't have cable, dad. They have a good, good internet. And that's it. They have the Peacocks and the whatever network they the want. ESPN Plus, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. And they, yeah. and, they, and they find the game they want and they go to that game. Or they find the TV show or the movie. And so they they totally consume media in an entire, entirely different way. And so I think that'll push the narrative as well, Kyle, quicker um, to when it's pretty much all uh, streaming and, and carte blanche. Basically, you're going to order what you want. Yeah, and, and then and then what value is Charlotte versus East Carolina? Just to make that argument, what, yeah. what value it, it, when it goes to all streaming? Because how many eyeballs are actually on Charlotte football? Versus Great point, but but we're not there yet. So maybe that's yeah. you know simple. It's just as simple as that. Because I know if you looked at Twitter today, the American. Because I think uh, I know for the Big Twelve, and I think the American is the same as well. July one, everything becomes official. Yeah. Correct. And so they 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 put a uh, they put tweets out today to get to know the six new programs. And obviously to your point, one of the bylines in every Twitter about the six new programs was how big their TV markets were. Exactly. So that was in there. So it's obviously, you know, uh, makes a difference right now. We'll, we'll leave it at that. It does now, but I got a feeling, and I think it's going to happen sooner and later. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's five years from now. My, my thing is that Mike Oresco was told by ESPN, the teams to pick. And so the reason why, he picked those schools is because ESPN said to pick those schools. No, no, he was told because, he was told not to mess with the Sun Belt. Well, he still, but that, that's essentially the same thing. I mean, no, Marshall and Southern Miss were in were in Conference USA. So it was Old I, Dominion. I understand that, but I'm just simply saying that those to me, they said, "How do you keep?" I'm sure the question was asked, "How do we keep our dollar figure of seven million dollars north of seven million dollars?" our TV contract, what schools can we get? 
And those were the schools they were told to keep that at that rate. If not, then it's really, it's like throwing paint against a wall, like guessing. And I, I seriously doubt Mike Oresco is going to guess what schools are going to give you seven. No, he took, he took the biggest media markets with, with the gamble that, that it's going to pay off financially because we know until 2028, they're going to get the exposure of the current TV contract. And he's hoping, you know, UTSA will be one, but he's hoping it's multiples that spike like UCF and Cincinnati didn't get hot and become household names is, is what he's banking on. And it could happen. But uh, I, I just, you know, you're, to me, that argument is fighting against East Carolina. So I'm never going to make that argument in a positive way. Right. I mean, I understand about media markets because we talk all the time. If it's really about media markets, Tuscaloosa is this huge media market. Well, yeah. Yeah. Is it, uh, to me, right, can, right. You deliver, can you deliver your state? Alabama can deliver the whole state of Alabama. East Carolina can deliver the whole state of North Carolina because we have a fan base. And unlike, you know, some schools, the ACC schools, NC State fans and UNC fans watch East Carolina football. And, and that's one thing, you know, that, that I've tried to point out to people for years. Uh, when you're looking at East Carolina, we really can deliver the whole state. Not every, not every school can say that about their state, particularly a so-called directional school. But we really, uh, we really can deliver the whole state of North Carolina. And the reason we can is because if you look at if you look at the size of like, for example, not to pick on Duke, but if you look at Duke, they have a very, they're a very small school, six, 6,000 undergrads with the uh, master's programs. It's like 10,000. We have 30,000 students running 30,000 yeah. um, students. When you look at us and when you look at. And an alumni base that cares about athletics, Dave. Right. And so another thing is when it comes to college football, People at Duke in North Carolina don't care about college football. They, I mean, they'll get mad at me for the fan bases will get mad at me for saying that they don't care anything about football. And and if they're not careful, they're going <laughs> uh, their football, their basketball team at Carolina is going to be down another year or two as well if they're not careful. But that's a whole another story, whole another show. But um, but when you look at those schools, NC State, um, they have times when they're a football school. They have times when they're a basketball school. If there's Philip Rivers there, Tory Holt, they're a football school. If you know they're doing well with basketball, they're really a basketball school. Uh, when, when it's all said and done, the two schools that are football schools are East Carolina and Appalachian State in our state. Period. But I will say this, Dave. I think uh, in today's world, those fans that are basketball first and foremost. I think the smart ones understand now that football drives the bus, and I'm sorry they do. Basketball's on the bus, but football's driving it, okay? And and that's, you know, the this conference realignment is all predicated on football, what's going right. on in football, and, and TV revenue, right? And basketball's going to be a beneficiary of that. All of the sports are beneficiaries of it. That's why they do it, right? Because there's so many non-revenue sports. Football's footing the bill for all that. And so I think they all know that. So to your point, though, I, I think those fans, they, they, they need to be better football fans if, 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 if what you're saying is true. And I think, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. So, uh, But it's fascinating times for sure in college football uh, with what's going to happen with conference realignment and TV contracts and so forth and so on. So, you know, buckle up and we'll see where it takes us. And by the way, Renny, North Carolina and North Carolina State, I'm putting them on the clock right now. They're too scared to play us. Uh, they won't schedule us anymore, Renny, because we beat them. 
Well, I will, I will tell you this. I did uh, I did the North Carolina spring game, and uh, Drake May is everything you want in a quarterback. I will say that. I, I thought the kid was phenomenal. Uh, interviewed him a couple times, talked to him, and I, it, he's going to be, you know, do, do they have the pieces around him in Chapel Hill? That That's going to be the question. But as far as him as a quarterback, the kid's – Phenomenal, and uh, he's going to be one of the top top picks in the NFL draft. Sure. No, he's a great he's a great quarterback. Yeah. North Carolina's going to have a good football team this year. But to, to Dave's point, it's we, we beat them three times in a row, yeah, including well, when Scotty Montgomery listen, was here. And you're always going to have Kyle. You know that's always going to be an issue. I mean, oh yeah, oh I know, I know. UCF dealt with it, and, and to what I think, I, I, I don't know if you said it, Kyle or Dave. You know the directional moniker, right? Yep. Where, where programs got mocked. I mean, I live in Orlando. I saw UCF yep. grow from nothing, literally nothing, where people just kind of laughed at them. They played their games at the Citrus Bowl. They got ten yep. or twelve thousand, and now they're in the Big Twelve, making uh, what, what is it? What's the Big Twelve got? Thirty-one million a year? Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, and you know the the other funny thing is funny. Um, so USF, right? Was there one of their was their rival, right, in Tampa. Uh, and I know you guys out. know this. I mean, 2000, I think it was 06, might have been 07. USF was number two in the nation. Yep. There was a there was a couple of years streak there where they beat Florida State at Florida State. They beat Miami, number two in the nation. They had it humming. Their fan base basically disregarded UCF and laughed at them. And UCF just kind of, you know, stayed steady, right? Steady the ship. Just they kept the process going. They knew, okay, if we can get an on-campus stadium, well, off our facility, you know, people laughed at them about their on-campus stadium because it wasn't as extravagant as other ones. You know, they did it, I think, $60 million, which in stadiums is nothing. But they did it, and they brought the fan base on. It's a big school to, like you guys were talking about, ECU. And they just, they just kept chopping away, and then all of a sudden they started winning. And now they're in the Big 12. And, and now USF is, is so far behind. Now they're finally building an on-campus stadium. <laughs> I imagine doing, that. Doing the things they need to do. But, I mean – Heck, 15 years has gone by. So it's just, it's kind of nuts, you know? And But I say that in that it's it's very hard to get the quote-unquote blue bloods to, to, to play the teams, uh, you know, in the conference. I mean, and here's the funny thing. With UCF going to the Big 12, they're not going to play USF anymore because, you know, and it was a great rivalry, but to them, why play them? They're in the American now, right? They're... UCF's in the Big 12. It only hurts you if you lose. If you win, eh, so what? You should have beat them. You're in the Big 12 now. So it's so hard for those teams to play. That's why I, I you know, at least North Carolina, they're playing App State again, right? Don't they play them? They play them early, right, Kyle? Uh, I'd have to look at UNC's schedule. I'm pretty um, sure they do. They get them at North Carolina this year. Yeah, they, they, they signed. They had, the, ep- they had that epic game last year up there in Boone. Yeah, I think they signed a two-for-one with them, two yeah. in Chapel Hill, one in Boone. Yeah, um, but that's that's going to end too. Um, yeah, no. I, listen, all good things come to it. What, what, what it's going to take from our part and from our yeah. part? Week, probably, week, week two they play them. So okay. yeah, week two. Oh, that's right. They play them before they play us. I, I knew that they played North Carolina, then they play East Carolina. Yep. Um, I what it's going to take, and, and I think it, East Carolina and Appalachian need to work together on this. It's going to take state legislation to get involved to force Carolina and NC State to play, and um, you're going to you're going to and nothing against our AD John Gilbert, but he he's not the at least publicly he's not the most forceful guy. Uh, who knows what he's like behind the scenes? 
Um, but uh, I, I think it's going to take some nut twisting to uh, to get them on the schedule. We've done it before uh, back in the 90s, and, and we can do it again. And, and look, hey, I'll say this. UNC didn't play us at all in the 90s. NC State played us, you know, very limitedly, and it was arguably our best period in, in, in East Carolina football history. And I, but I agree with you too. I mean, that to me, that is college football. That pride and pageantry, and when you have those in-state schools go at it, it's nothing better for yeah. the family. I, I do and, agree with you there. And where East Carolina, what pisses us off is, as opposed to some of these other schools, you know, like say Western Michigan, get mad if Michigan or Michigan State won't play. We have a fan base. We, we you know, we'll sell out our stadium. You know, we get fifty thousand in here. We'll, we'll put people in your house. We'll, you know, you know. UNC, you know, we'll put 20,000 people in there. So it's not like we're not holding up our end of the deal um, from a financial standpoint or a fan base standpoint. We do all that. Well, and, you know, and, and if you, you, you bring up a good point, something that I talked about earlier, too. I think one of the things that, that hurts those matchups is, is the stupid Power 5, Group of 5 yeah. moniker, right? So if we can get, get rid of it, they're – we're all, they're yeah, FBS, yeah. They're FBS yeah, programs. Your, you know what I mean? Your, shouldn't count against you. Shouldn't it's a, it's if the team's good, they're good. Play them. It's a good win. To yeah, to your point, what happens when East Carolina wins the American and is in the playoff, and NC State and UNC finish third and fourth in UNC in, in the ACC? And you know, let, let's let's say that happens. It realistically could. Mike Houston's here. East Carolina gets on a roll. Win the American. You win the American. You stand a damn good chance of making the playoffs starting in twenty twenty four. East yeah. Carolina makes playoffs a couple of years, and NC State and UNC are going to the whatever bowl. Uh, you know, all of a sudden now, are they going to be interested in playing us? My guess would be all of a sudden we're an attractive opponent. If they need yeah, I mean, it, it would change quickly. I, there's no doubt about it. Yep. And that's why I love the 12-team playoffs. So I, I wish it was here next this year. Yep. No doubt. Do you have uh, – I know that before we let you go, you always yeah. spend a lot of time with us. Uh, my question to you, do you have teams uh, that in your radar right now that maybe some teams that we obviously know Michigan that we're playing is going to be number one or number two, but are there teams out there right now that are like diamonds in the rough that nobody knows about? We talked about UTSA, but everybody pretty much knows they're a top 25 team. Are there teams around the country you're, that Rennie's saying, hey, you better watch out for these teams? I mean, not, not, not any that people don't already know. Now, maybe on the East Coast, not as much, but I think Washington's going to be real good, Dave. I do. Uh, you know, with all the Pac-12 issues, I think with Michael Penix coming back, Kalen DeBoer, the head coach here, I think Washington is a program out west, I think, that is going to have a good year. So they're one to watch. I mean, I don't really want to say they're under the radar because they're not nationally. Again, maybe to the East Coast folks. What does um, Jumbo got to do at Texas A&M this year? Oh, too? man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, – I think, you know, obviously they paid him so much money, right? That that's yeah, really a sticking exactly. point because if they didn't a million. I, yeah. But I think there comes a point even with them and that money that if if he doesn't do something special this year, I think they're gonna bite the bullet. And I, I just really do. I think they're gonna cough up that money. That's just my personal opinion, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um I, you know, I don't know. He's had Listen, year after year, we talk about the recruits and he's what got year this, he's is got, this for Jimbo already? I wanna say it's five. Four, I four or five, uh, right in there. Okay, Here, okay. Here's the thing, though. We really haven't heard a lot about him in Texas A&M this offseason, right? Nah. Other other preseasons, we've heard a lot. Best recruiting class, this, that, and the other. It's been pretty quiet, so maybe that's a good sign for them. Yeah. 
but they they need to do something. Kyle, I agree with you. This is a year you just you can't pay a coach that much money um, and not get the results, you know. And uh, so I, I know sometimes fan bases are, can be very unrealistic, but uh, I, I think I don't think it's uh, out of out of line to say they they've underachieved based on what we thought they would do. Um, so yeah, they'll be an interesting one to watch. I think again. I think nationally, um, you said UTSA. I think Tulane's another one we talked about. It. I think they're gonna they're gonna be up there too. I think uh, just on a a pure standpoint of watching, we talked about this one. Colorado's gonna be a fascinating watch, right? Just to see what they do. Yeah. Um, a couple others. Uh, I'm a big Luke Fickle fan. I know you guys don't like Luke Fickle, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, but, I respect him as a football coach. So today, we'll see. So. Fascinating hire him going to Wisconsin, right? We'll, we'll what do you make of Cincinnati hiring uh, Louisville's coach? I thought that yeah, was a bad hire. It, well, he was trying to get out, right? Um, Scott uh, Satterfield yeah. was trying to get out. So, yeah, that's an interesting interesting hire as well. Uh, Matt Rule in Nebraska, another one. I think Matt Rule is a really that. good coach. Yeah, um, good coach. So, we'll see. And then, you know, Coastal Carolina. Talking about the American – and I don't know Alex Golish, the USF, uh, the new USF coach. I'm sure, he's a great guy, great coach. I don't know, first year head coach. I thought USF should have did everything in their power to get Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina. Yeah, would have been a good hire. They been. probably did. They just couldn't Liberty. compete with the money Liberty has. I mean, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, he's making four million dollars a year. Right? At so, what point? At what point, Rennie? Is conference? Excuse me. At what point? Do you think the American or the Sun Belt is going to have to invite in Liberty from because they're going to be a problem? They're going to win conference USA every them. year, and with this new system, with them winning that conference every year, they're going to be a playoff contender every year. I think I really believe the American or Sun Belt will invite will invite Liberty within the next five years. Could be, and we you know we didn't even mention the Mountain West. I mean, San Diego State already told them in writing that their intentions are to leave. Yeah. So where are they going, right? Who are they talking to? Pac-12. Well, the rumors is they're 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 talking to the Pac-12 and and behind the scenes the Big Twelve too, Cole. I, I got a feeling, guys. Uh, I, I you a, know, I, yeah. I, I got a feeling everyone's kind of talking. You know, uh, it's 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 fascinating. Listen, there was a time not that long ago where San Diego State was in the Big East. Do you remember? that? Yeah, time? I remember they were them in Boise. That's yeah, right. it only lasted a couple weeks, but yeah. Know, <laughs> no, they're, 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 the rumor is that they're going to be the first team as a replacement in the, in the Pac-12. Um, you know, I, look, here's – the Pac-12 – if I was the Pac-12, um, and I know they're trying to get a TV deal done, I would be adding teams now because they're going to lose teams. It's inevitable they're going to lose more teams. The, the, the Big Ten did not just invite USC and UCLA and not get anybody else on the West Coast. I mean, come on. Let's be real. So if if yeah, right. the the Pac-12 would be better off, the more teams they can get now and legitimize them, while UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon are still around, the better. I'd be inviting teams now. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, though. Uh, it really is uh, with what happens with the Pac-12. So we'll uh, sit back and watch here. So no doubt, we'll let you. Uh, I know you're getting ready to go on a vacation and. Uh, Tell everybody again about your – do you have your assignment already for a week? So, uh, I can report, though, I renewed my contract. So, I got a two-year contract. So, I'm, I'm good there. So, that yes, part's right. good. I'm not one of the ones that's going to be uh, uh, 
being let go and it's unfortunate because you know there's always movement and you know you guys read the same stuff i do so i will be back for a couple of years so that part's good i don't know where i'll be yet um yeah. you know and there's been so much movement um with managers right uh you know with the bosses and so there's a, a realignment going on there so uh you know i'll probably uh i want to say probably the end of july uh, early August, I should know uh, who my partner is and, and uh, pretty much the primary network I'll be on. So I'll, uh, I'll let you guys know. All right. Have a All safe right. trip to the Mediterranean. We'd love to have you back. Uh, hopefully right at the beginning of football season. Appreciate you. It's always so much fun talking college football with you, man. You got it, guys. And I hope I can do a Pirates game this year. I haven't been up there in a year, so I'm having my uh, Pirate withdrawal. So hopefully I get up to, to Greenville this year. Love to have you back. All right. Safe travels. Thanks, guys. See uh, Rennie's the best. I uh, appreciate the guy very much, Kyle. And uh, man, a, a lot of co great college football. And you know what, uh, Kyle, we're in uh, the end of June. I've been hearing on the radio and reading stuff that July is going to be this next, you know, we talk about all this show ad nauseum about uh, college football realignment. It's going to be fascinating to see um, where these schools are going. It's like a chessboard and all these different pieces are moving around. No, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if, if things start shaking up again in July. Um, yeah, that's, you know, kind of when it when it seems to happen. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, it, it, you, you would think there would be some movement in regards to the Pac-12 one way or another here, uh, here in the coming weeks. So I'll be surprised if there's not. No doubt. And that that's the thing is that you would think the Big Ten would strike before I would think they would want to strike before anybody else. Right. It, like, in other words, you're not you're going to make sure that the Pac-12 doesn't have any kind of hope of a Hail Mary, if you will. Uh, for the Well, they're, they're not going to sign. I mean, look, I, unless they just get some kind of magical TV deal in place, those schools are going to be willing to sign a grant of rights, a long term grant of rights for. I just don't. I just don't see it happening. Um, in fact, uh, if I'm the, if I'm the Pac-12, you know, and, and this may be counterproductive to, to what people would think. I, I if schools are going to leave, I don't want them to leave now. So the sooner the better, um, so they know what they're having to work with, and, and they know um, that the teams that are going to stay will sign a grant of rights deal. Um, it'll be interesting to see how soon they get their TV deal done and. And if the Big Ten does strike before that TV deal is done, to, to bring in Oregon and uh, in Washington, and no doubt we'll see how that goes. And of course, uh, those uh, the four corner schools, we'll see about will they go to the Big Twelve? Will a couple of them will go, a couple of them stay. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But you know that gives us something to talk about this summer, right, Kyle? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's always interesting to see, and uh, you know if the Pac twelve survives. Um, but loses some schools, you know, will it, will, will an SMU become a candidate? Will Tulane become a candidate? I think UTSA is probably a little too soon for that, or they'd be a candidate. Um, but uh, I, I got a feeling if the Pac-12 survives, it loses multiple teams. Um, obviously, you're going to have some Mountain West schools, but I got a feeling SMU and Tulane will be names you hear come up also. No question about it. And guys, with the, with the Pirates, uh, we, as far as ecupirates.com, of course, uh, our lacrosse coach, Amanda Moore, leaving for Ohio State, one of the big news of today. So 
Um, I just want to thank her because she started the program and the ladies actually had the first ever 10 win season in program history. And she took the program from scratch from nothing. And we appreciate she, Hey, that's one coach. You could definitely say that she left it better than she found it because she started the program. So we appreciate her very much and best of luck at Ohio state. And I think now with a job, the great job she did, it makes uh, recruiting a coach to take her place a lot easier. Yeah. I really don't know much about women's lacrosse, but uh, Ohio State, obviously, is a school with a lot of money. They can hire who they want to in most sports. I would assume the women's lacrosse would be the same. So um, if you're going to lose a, a coach to a school, lose them to Ohio State, uh, it, it doesn't look so bad. Um, and uh, also knowing that you can catapult yourself to that kind of job should be attractive to to the next uh, coach, whoever that may be. No question. So good luck to her. Appreciate that. Uh, again, appreciate her very much for all that she's done for us. And um, Bubba's in a bad area. If you guys are wondering, he's yeah. keeping and going. So if you're uh, watching, if you're listening, you have no idea. But if you're watching. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No question. As far as the uh, any football news you want to talk about, Kyle, off of, I can think of a few things. But uh, what's on your mind? Uh, I really honest to God, Dave, uh, I've been so busy with other things. Um, you know, uh, waiting to get my hands on Phil Steele uh, yep. to, to look at that. I did not pre-order it. I should have. Um, I'm ordering it this week, so I'll have it. Uh, I'll have it Once you get week. a hold of him, what, what are you going to do? Hold, uh, ordering Phil Steele? Uh, he, said he, can't wait to, he said he can't wait to get his hands on Phil Steele. I said, what, I said once you get a hold of him, what are you going to do? The magazine. The magazine. No. Uh, uh, no. Uh, Guys, I got a phone call. Am I still here? Yeah, you are. Uh, Of course, get my hands on Phil Steele. Um, Well, (laughs) I I literally meant the magazine, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't have a good comeback, Bubba. I'm sleepy. But uh, I generally would have some witty comeback. I got nothing. I'm sorry. No, I just – uh, one of the things that I that I've been keeping an eye on tonight, uh, Gavin Williams making his second start and through five and or excuse me four and two thirds uh, in the fifth inning. You know he's allowed just one hit, uh, so four and two thirds shutout innings, five strikeouts and a walk. So hopefully uh, Gavin Williams will be able to uh, to go seven or eight innings in this one. We shall see. I'm not sure where his pitch count is. Went five and two thirds in his first start for the Guardians, um, <clears throat> Indians rather. No, but uh, and, it, and, get, and he pitched very well in that game. Outside of a four batter stretch in the uh, third inning, it was great to see him uh, uh, pitch well with Coach Godwin there, and uh, obviously pitching much better tonight. So. Um, that is against the Kansas City Royals, as you see there on the screen for our viewers. Yeah, we, uh, we're excited for him. And obviously, Connor Norby is the next one for the Orioles that will be called up. Um, and it's only a matter of time. You have two, and he'll be the uh, – with uh, actually, uh, how many players are in the majors now? Mackenzie Gore is another one playing for the Nationals under Cliff Godwin, right? Be- yeah, of course, Burley with the Cardinals and then McKenzie Gore. You know, and, and that's one, you know, didn't, didn't make it to campus, so different situation there. Right. But, uh, but obviously, you know, McKenzie 
still uh, follows the program very closely, has that close relationship with Cliff Godwin. Uh, you mentioned Connor Norby. Uh, another one that uh, could be there in the not-too-distant future uh, is Carson Wisenhunt. And Carson Wisenhunt, it was, it was announced today that he is pitching in the MLB Futures game uh, on, on All-Star, All-Star Weekend. So um, it's great to see him pitching well. I'm trying to think who else. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you, you could, here in the not-too-distant future, you could have four, five, six Pirates uh, in, in the big leagues. No question. And then, uh, like Coach Godwin said, that they don't have to sell East Carolina anymore because the players already know that's a, a way you can get to the big leagues. You can get to the show by coming to Greenville. Yeah. No doubt, and glad to see Pirates succeeding in the major leagues. Uh, it's um, five or six guys uh, in, in the big leagues at one time. It's pretty impressive. No question. Hey, guys, um, I want to remind everybody about Pirates Unite. Make sure you give money. We want that practice facility now and not later. And so we're at about the 15, we're over $15 million right now. Uh, you can call the Pirate Club at 252 737 4540 or ecupirateclub.com. That's what I do. Give your donations. But we need, uh, we only have 6% of the whole Pirate Club that have donated to Pirates Unite. And we need that to be way higher. I mean, if we could get to even 50% of the Pirate Club, um, we could probably go ahead and definitely fund the baseball expansion. We're at $4 million. We need $7 million for that project. And then uh, we need 7 to $10 million more for who knows how much more for the. Uh, indoor practice facility but those two things are we're in good shape on a lot of other things with facilities but those two things we've got to get those done now and again not later yeah i, I pirate people need to donate pirates united people need to get to the bonyard collecting for nil which i i personally think may, may be even more important so uh yeah they're just right there on the screen so uh team boneyard um i uh you know it, you, you, you're pulling from that same pool, but for such a small percentage of the Pirate Club to have donated, um, you know, again, though, I do ask the question, uh, where are the phone calls? I mean, why, why has not every Pirate Club member been contacted via the telephone and asked to give the Pirates Unite? I would, I can guarantee you had that happened, we'd be, we'd be higher than 6%. Yeah, I, I think that that's a, a legitimate question, Kyle, because Bubba and I were talking about this off the air a few days ago. If you think about 6,000 Pirate Club members, which is uh, not enough, we're, we're heading in the right direction. I give them that. But as far as the phone calls are concerned, uh, we used to have uh, like volunteers for, I don't know if they can't do that anymore, but I think they can. The student volunteers, the interns, um, they used to call. They used to help out with things like that with donations. So um, that's something that we need to stress. So even if you, you know, uh, maybe uh, other Pirate Club members calling, um, donating. In other words, my point is you don't have to pay people to call people like a, you know, like a, a telemarketer kind of thing where you have a whole bunch of people in a room calling. You can just get people to call and say, hey, we need your help. We need your money. We're so close. We're only $3 million away. A whole bunch of pirates give. If you can give $50, $100, we need your help right now. And that's what we need. That's what's missing right now of the, Campaign as a whole is going great, um, but for that $100 donor to $1,000 donor, we've got to work really hard to get those people, and that's one thing for me personally, that, and people may think I'm negative or use our platform to be negative towards administration. I'm not. 
I just simply want them to pick up the phone and call people. And then that way that helps, that helps also energize the fan base is that you care about them. If you care about the $100 donor, the thousand dollar donor, give them a call. The mass emails for the majority. No, it's, it ain't worth a damn. If, if you, if you actually pick up the phone and call somebody, uh, I, one thing I can promise you, we'd be above 6%. I promise you, I, I'd, I'd be willing to bet you, if you called all 6,000 Power Club members, you'd at least get half of them to donate. Um, and maybe I'm being opti- maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't be half. Well, maybe it would just be 1,500 out of 6,000. Well, <laughs> you, you, you're still above 6%. No question. And that's the thing is that for that baseball expansion, we're so close, guys, to breaking ground on that that we can make that happen by the fall if we have 6,000 people called. I bet you right now that we could raise $3 million if you call 6,000 people. I really do. Um, sure. we, can't, we can't just go to the million-dollar donors or the big donors. They're fantastic. I'm not knocking them at all. We appreciate No, we got to have them. We got to have them. But there's a lot of people that don't make a million dollars a year or have that net worth that are very valuable and very important. Make the phone calls. And I guarantee you, you'll see those projects will be funded. Yeah, you you look at um, you look at the way Cliff Godwin and that program they raise money with the with um, in the ECU baseball banquet there, right, right there, a couple weeks before the start of each season. You know, sometimes raises as much as you know, hundred hundred twenty. Five thousand dollars on the, that one weekend, and, and uh, certainly a, a lot more, uh, a lot more than that. And, and the, the preparation for that is, is immense. There's a, a lot of detail that goes into it, no doubt. But I'm trying to remember the number I heard here recently that 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 had contributed that four million dollars to the seven million dollar baseball project. It it wasn't nearly as high as you would think when you have. I know the. 2,700 or however many season tickets we had this year. I know that's obviously not near that many buyers, but uh, with the, the number of people that care about East Carolina baseball, it was very surprising. I, like, I don't, I don't even think it was in triple digits that's given to that. I think it was maybe even less than 50, um, but um, definitely think it was double digits and, and shy, shy of a hundred that had contributed to that $4 million. So, so yeah, uh, I think I think uh, you know as awesome as it's been to get those, I think seven gifts now in excess of a million dollars. I think there needs to be a, a recommitment to the power of one and the grassroots effort of the Pirate Club as far as you know the chapter presidents and the Pirate Club reps making those phone calls. And it doesn't have to be those just those individuals. It can be. Any pirate club member, you know, pick up the phone, make a call to someone you know, or someone that you uh, maybe your friends know. If if they don't want to pick up the phone and call them, say hey, you know, and just think of the East Carolina people you know, whether they're a, an alum or just a fan of the pirates, uh, like I am. I'm I'm not an alum. I'm, you know, and playing small college football led me elsewhere. But I'm um, a lifelong pirate fan, and my dad's an alum. So, 
just flat out love the pirates as, as folks know. So I pick up the phone, you know, I communicate via social media and I, I do what I can to, um, to connect alums and pirate fans to the program. No question. And the, again, the, uh, the situation is such that we all know there's no secret. The deal is this, the goal for the pirate club right now. Okay, guys is by December 31, we have all the money raised for the baseball expansion and for the indoor practice facility. And if that's going to happen, like Kyle said, the way that you do that is by picking up the phone. I can guarantee you right now, the baseball expansion will be, uh, that'll be cleared in by in a few months. And then uh, we have a good shot at that goal of getting the seven to $10 million raised for the indoor practice. So wouldn't that be cool in 24 to be talking about the plans and, uh, we broke ground and um, on both those projects. Well, the only way we're going to be able to do that is to make phone calls. And I agree 1,000%. Um, have it ready. Yeah. Just don't, don't have Bubba call anybody. <laughs> oh, God. That was a no, funny no, story. No idea what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Bobby. I love you, man. That was funny. It, that caught me off guard. Good one, Kyle. Um, nicely played. That's why. Yeah, that's why I intentionally signed out of the show earlier because I knew I was in a bad area. And um, so. And it goes to the show. You know, Bubba's Bub in that big Charlotte area and getting cell phone service not worth a thing. No, I'm not, in the, I'm not in the big Charlotte area. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in tiny. I'm in. I'm in tiny Richfield. So that's why I knew I wasn't going to have good service. Well, but what's uh, Richfield near? They're near Pfeiffer. What's Pfeiffer but, near? College. Oh, I don't. Okay. Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer University, but it's it's out in the middle of nowhere. That's why I knew I wasn't going to have good service. But and that's why I signed out when you guys were finishing up the interview with Reen. But how many damn universities? Y'all go ahead. Say for God's sake, a lot. Guys, I'm going to have to um, jump off here. I know I arrived late. I'm going to leave early. Come late, leave early. Um, this is my policy. You're, I actually, you're know, I actually know in real life I'm the other way around. I, I get places early. I can't stand being late. But um, I, I – uh, well, Dave, now it's just down to you. So, uh, called, so we might have to close this thing out because I have to go. I have prior commitments I have to take care of. So, um, Dave, you want, you want to close it out here or are you just going to go solo? I might go solo real quick uh, to make All some right. quick announcements, and we'll get out of here. All right. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching and listening. And I'll turn it over to Dave, and hopefully Bubba will rejoin him soon. Uh, good night, y'all. All right. Good night, bro. Good night, John Boy. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys so much for uh, coming on tonight. Thanks to Rennie. And uh, obviously, we want to remind you about, again, we talked about Pirates Unite. We want to remind you also about season tickets, uh, season tickets as well. Um, before we get to season tickets, uh, I actually am talking to people. I want everybody to like our Facebook page. You can uh, follow our um, show on Twitter at the sports OBJ at the sports objective on Instagram and also on TikTok. and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch us. And, uh, we love that very much because we're getting to, um, almost a thousand subscribers. It's uh, like at 900 now. We've worked very, it doesn't sound like a lot, but we've worked extremely hard on that. And we appreciate you guys uh, for that very much uh, for doing that. Hey, uh, like I said, two months away from football season. 
And we're looking forward to that. If you want more information, you can always follow us. You can uh, actually, the Pirates Cove on Facebook. And uh, we have a lot of uh, content there. Uh, A lot of great content we've had recently. We've had uh, Ryan Robinson, the executive director of the Pirate Club. We've had the director of athletics for East Carolina, John Gilbert. We had the two coordinators, offensive coordinator, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Donnie Kay. And of course, uh, yesterday being Monday, uh, we had uh, Blake Harrell. And uh, we had him, the defensive coordinator. So a lot of great content, of course, Rennie, as well tonight. Appreciate you guys so much. And uh, we w- welcome you uh, to tell your friends. It's so, so cool to be around the Greenville area or different places. And people stop us and say, uh, thank you so much for the great content. I want to let you know that none of us have taken you for granted. We're one of you. And we appreciate you. All right. We're going to get out of here. Thanks to Bubba very much. Thanks to Kyle. He had to go. And well, thanks to Rennie Angolia very much from ESPN and ESPN plus we'll see you next time you've been watching and listen to the sports objective everybody go pirates Every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going.